the hit Paramount Plus original docuseries returns. The last time I saw Max, he looked at us laughing, and then everything changed in a blink of an eye. My feeling as a detective is that he was murdered. Yahoo Entertainment calls it a spine-chilling docuseries, showcasing real-life tragedies. What if it was your child who went missing? We need to know the truth. Never seen again. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. And we are back, folks, for another edition of the Michigan Basketball Insider, Sam Webb, and the man that roamed the middle for the maize and blue in the early 80s on the hardwood over at what was then Chrysler Arena, went on to the NBA as a first-round draft pick. Now, as a pro and college basketball analyst with the pros covering the Pistons for Fox Sports Detroit and college basketball with ESPN, none other than my good friend Tim McCormick. Tim, how are you, my friend? I am well. I am very well, Sam. I I, um, I really enjoyed the UCF game. I, I thought that that was the first time that that Michigan looked like a top twenty team, and um, it, it kind of took my my attention away from a lack of football this weekend. So all things considered, um, I, I really enjoyed watching Michigan basketball this weekend. Yeah, it's it's an important contrast to make because hearing hearing your commentary as you praised Michigan for what they had done well out of the gate you expressed some concern with some of the sloppiness that you saw uh, initially and some of the defensive lapses that you saw as well Tim and one of the great things to see in the UCF game was after some early sort of lapses defensively in that contest the Wolverines were able to get back on track quick fast and in a hurry and boy did they ever just from that point on just blow the absolute doors off of off of UCF and I, I'm wondering if watching the games uh did you was there a reason that you could pinpoint as to why what they started doing better that allowed them to clamp down defensively wow there, there was um there was a lot that I liked um first of all they they really showed the depth um they 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 are legitimately nine deep I mean guys that that you 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 um you feel good about them being on the court um when when you look at Franz and Isaiah Livers it, they've got star power and they're going to be Michigan's top scorers by the end of the year and they will be NBA draft picks most likely but i really was impressed with the second unit mm-hmm. they provided a massive spark actually the bench was better by a lot than the starters they outscored them 49 to 31 and that's a luxury item for a coach when you feel like when you when you go to your bench, your your team gets better. Um, stat wise, there were some really good things. That the rebounding has been excellent, um, plus fifteen on the glass. And and you can you can look at a roster before a season starts and get some ideas on you know we'll be good in this area, maybe struggling here. But until you actually get on the court, you're never sure. And I have an old school approach that if you win the rebounding battle, you're going to be good. The second area that I always think is is really important is ball security. Um, do you have a lot more assists than you do turnovers? Uh, Michigan versus Central Florida had 18 assists and 10 turnovers, much better. And and I think Central Florida is the best team that Michigan's played. Yeah, I, I like Bowling Green, but conference-wise, the American Conference is a lot better when you think about who do they have? They've got Houston and Memphis and Wichita State and Cincinnati. That, that's a good league. And and Michigan made Central Florida look bad. And they do have some talent. I, I know you, you know, you you know about CJ Walker. Mm-hmm. Um, he was at Oregon 
Um, Darren Green, he looked at the NBA draft last summer. So Michigan outworked and out-talented a pretty decent Central Florida team. Yeah, they outworked them from about the 30, you know, about five minutes into the game on. I really sensed a, a change in energy. But I want to, you know, I, I think if we rewind to something else you talked about, and, and maybe they're settling into a groove in this regard. You talked about starting Hunter Dickinson. And, you know, he continues to come off the bench. I think that they he gets starter minutes, though, when you compare him to Austin Davis. And you look at his game against Ball State. Gave you the scoring punch off the bench, Tim. You know, gave you the rebounding that you just talked about. Turned in that that double double, and you're getting that that boost from the bench on a game in game out basis. A game after, also speaking of another bench player, a game after we talked about Shondi Brown shooting one for ten from three point range. And you were very candid, say, man, you can't shoot one for ten. I mean, you know, once you get to one six or one for six or one for seven, you either got to be passing or or driving to the rim. You got to be doing something different other than jacking shots. Much more conservative with his three-point shooting versus Ball State. A very efficient game. Only attempted two threes with four for seven from the field. They gave him that boost from the bench on a day when Isaiah Livers and Franz Wagner had it going offensively. Fast forward to UCF, Tim, and the guys in the in the starting lineup Franz uh, for for foul trouble and Isaiah just because it just wasn't going for him. The the bench came up in an even bigger way, and both Shondi and Hunter Dickinson. You you talk about points off the bench. They gave it to him in a big way, and this time Shondi Brown was, was shooting from distance, and he was making from distance at a high rate. Yeah, I like the bench, and you know what? We're not going to talk about him a lot today, but I really think in a subtle way, Brandon John sparked the team too. Yeah. He, I thought that. His um his energy was really good yep. off defense, but let let's talk a little bit about Hunter. Um, you brought him up first, and I'm I'm not really worried right now about him starting or coming off the bench because, um, you know when when you think about the the most important impact, it's the numbers, it's it's the minutes that you play, and right now he's playing 21, 22 minutes per game, and he's highly highly productive. But I think that he could easily be 28 to 30 minutes. And against smaller teams and smaller lineups, yeah, they may use Brandon Johns at, at the center for a, a little bit of a stretch. But the Big Ten season starts next Sunday. And, and I think that Hunter is the kind of guy that can play at a consistent pace. And, and that makes it easier to play 30. Um, let, let me explain that. Like there, there are certain athletic centers that are sprinters. They, they, they go really fast. Um, Hunter, he plays, he plays a little bit of a mid pace game, right? He like, he's carrying a lot of weight and he, and, and so that's challenging, but because he's not a sprinter, I think he can easily play 30 minutes. It's kind of like, you know, imagine as a boat, you've got a speed boat and you've got a freighter, you know, that <laughs> once the freighter gets, gets going, it's just cruising up and down and, and so I, I have not seen Hunter Dickinson spend much time grabbing at his shorts, trying to catch his breath. Have you? I have not. I have not. He is you know, a guy who I think is in better shape. I think that has something to do with it. But you're right. You know, he has an understanding of of, of pacing for sure. Yes. Uh, of And I imagine you as a big guy can identify with that, that you do have to, you know, certainly you have to run the floor, but you can pick your spots when it comes to, you know, how much how much your energy is expended 
how much of your energy is expended in, in, in transition, for instance. And I feel like I feel like he has that 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 presence coming off the bench with with attitude, you know, with with scoring ability, with with being able to pass the basketball. If you're looking for the energizer bunny off the bench, the guy that just comes off the bench and gives you just that frenzy sort of instant injection of energy, you just highlighted a guy who I think gave them that against UCF, Tim, and I think is worthy of, of, of emphasizing that I think that Brandon Johns, when he came in the game, he instantly gave them more energy on both ends of the floor. I think that as far as energy was concerned, I felt like that, you know, first five minutes of the game, UCF was beating them to every spot. They were up by 12, by 12 points. Brandon Johns comes in the game, gives them this instant energy boost, uh, getting to the rim, passing it out for some open looks, playing some good defense. And the same thing from another guy you mentioned, Tim, that gave them big energy off the bench, Terrence Williams. Those guys, it might not be as big in the stat column as what Shondi Brown and Hunter Dickinson gave, but I think that those two guys were crucial in tilting that game in Michigan's direction. Well, Brandon Johns can be a difference maker for this team, and there's no doubt about it. He's a tough matchup because of his versatility. He can cover threes, fours, and fives. Um, he has so much ability, but I do think that there have been times this year where he's come in and and tried to kind of ease into the role, and and that's fine when you're a starter, when you're playing big minutes, but, but I don't think he's ever really – mastered the ability of being that bench spark. And it goes back to when he was in middle school and high school. And when, when you're the man, you can kind of ease into a game. Um, and not everybody can be that bench spark. But but that was one of the first games and it reminded me of Indiana last year where he just came in and he changed the game with his energy. If he can go ahead and make that a consistent part of his attack, then, then he's going to be one of the best bigs off the bench in the entire conference, he, he can't afford to come in and just kind of chill for a little bit and mm -hmm. ease your way in. Like, go get a tip done. Go, go, you know, run in transition and, and beat your man down and get a three out, out of the corner. Uh, you know, block a shot, dive in the floor. That is the, the next step of his game. And we saw some of it. And I've got to tell you, it made me smile. Yeah, I'm sure it did. I mean, I, it was noticeable to me. That's why I want to highlight it because you look in the stat column. And you see five points, okay, that, you know, five points. And, uh, you know, it, it doesn't really, a couple of assists, a couple of rebounds, doesn't really jump out at you if you didn't watch the game. But if you watched the game, you felt his impact on that contest. And the same thing with the guy that you mentioned earlier uh, in, the, in the podcast schedule. You know, we, we were talking about rotation and how deep they would go. And, you know, some quality minutes that uh, Terrence Williams had gotten, I think it was in the first or second game, or maybe both. And all he's done since then, Tim, is maximize his opportunity every time out. And this, to me, was his, his best outing. He was effective on both both ends of the floor. You know, we have seen him have great chemistry with, with Hunter Dickinson, but I thought his, his presence, his presence in the paint, his presence on defense, he even stepped out in this game, Tim, and canned a three. I just really loved uh, Terrence Williams' minutes as well, and I wonder if you think he has made it so – you know this this rotation isn't gonna isn't gonna shrink shrink him out of it. I think I think the way that he's played, I think that Juwan's gonna keep playing a nine man rotation. How can you not? I, I watched Terrence Williams at the top one hundred camp. I watched him play for Gonzaga Prep. I watched some film on him, and and I have to tell you, even though I was impressed with his long term potential, 
I expected Terrence Williams to be a non-rotation guy this year. I thought he'd be the ninth or 10th guy in the rotation, and he would play if there was foul trouble or injuries or blowout situations. He's ready to help right now, loaded with substance. Um, that, that three is something that surprised me a little bit, but I was very pleased with. He's a good passer. He's a chemistry guy with, with, with Hunter, and that comes from being friends and teammates since they were 12 years old. Uh, and I said last week, I think he's tough. He's a leader and someday he's going to be a Michigan captain. And, and those are the kind of things that make your team better because you know what you're going to get. You can, you can see it. Jawan Howard likes him because he's got some pit bull mm-hmm. and, and he can play multiple positions and think about this. You know, he's, he's a freshman. He's just trying to figure things out. And John Sanderson, the strength and conditioning coach is, is going to work with him and get him better. But how much better are you going to get him? He's six, seven, 240 pounds. This kid has got a great body. And then the next, the next big thing I want to see, he's doing this against mid-major opponents. How is it when he's covering Big Ten wings? That is going to be the next step that we have to look for. No doubt. Uh, but like you, I'm watching his production, uh, his his energy, his attitude that he he brings to the game. And that, that entire bench unit does. I mean, you definitely get some of that from Hunter uh, and Shondi Brown, who we'll, we'll touch on more. But uh, if they can, I don't expect them to outscore the starters every game, but just that that change of that just instant energy and impact off the bench. If they can be that this season, then, you know, the conversation about contention again, you're, that's why you got to maintain an even keel. I know, you know, some fans maybe saw the Oakland games. Oh man, this, this, I don't know if this is going to be a team that's really up there with the, with the top tier teams. Uh, We got to see how this, this squad develops, how they settle into their roles because we got to remember there's still role definition going on and then make the assessment about, uh, you know, how much of a, uh, of a contender they'll be. Because I, you talked about a moment ago, Tim, you know, having a mentality off the bench where you aren't settling in, you're coming in and right away you got to be Vinny Johnson making an impact. Not necessarily always scoring, but whatever your role is, being that instantly. And Sean D. Brown, and I'm curious if, you, if you're surprised – that he, how well he settled into being that that gunner off the bench. Now, uh, you know, I you could question a guy who has NBA draft aspirations how quickly, how easily he would settle into coming off the bench role. But so far, Tim, he's he's thrived in it. I'm a big fan, a really big fan, actually. A better shooter than I expected. I love his demeanor and his body language. He moves a little bit like. I, I, I apologize. I, I sometimes I don't like making the comparisons, but sometimes when I watch him play, you know, facially and and with his skill set, a bigger version of Tim Hardaway Jr. I mean, not as athletic, but do you, you see what I'm saying with that, mm-hmm. Sam? I do. You know, and and I and I feel like Shondi Brown is tough, and he's experienced. He's seen a lot in the ACC, and and I'm not saying he doesn't have deficiencies in his game. Because he does, but he plays so hard that it's easy to look beyond those those mistakes. Because you know you're a lot better when he's out there, and and it's so early. We haven't even played a Big Ten game, but but I, I think he's got a chance to to be the sixth man of the year in the Big Ten. And I I have to do a little bit more studying. There's a couple teams I haven't really seen a lot yet, but but 
Think about this, Sam. Wake Forest is dead last in the ACC this year. I don't care what happens. They're going to be in last place. This has to be pretty exciting for Shondi, who's lost a ton of games in his career, to all of a sudden be on an undefeated team with with hopes of going far in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, and I, I love to kind of look back and try to compare guys to maybe players that Michigan fans have seen in the past. I remember Tim Hardaway got here. Now, he really, his explosiveness uh, you know, grew exponentially here. I remember watching him at a, at a camp before, I want to say it was before his senior year, at a Michigan camp, get caught on the front of the rim, you know. But he was he was skying well above the rim as he got into the strength and conditioning program. So we heard Shondi Brown talk about how different the strength and conditioning program is here. How he already feels his body feels better. He feels more explosive. I, I think that there's one thing that he does a little bit better than Tim. I think he handles it better than mm -hmm. Tim. That move he made uh, against pressure at the half court gave a little crossover and pulled up from about 18 feet and hit a. Hit a jumper, you know that that is, and we've seen him be very adept in his Wake Forest career at putting it on the deck and getting to the rim. I think he puts it on the deck a little bit better than Tim. Now Tim, I think shoots it. I, we have to see more of a sample space, and I know why you're saying. Who knew? No one knew he was going to shoot it like this. Instead of, except maybe him or Randolph Childress, but you couldn't ever. Who could have predicted this, Tim? I mean, four for six in this game. I think he hit five or six threes in an earlier game. He was a 32% three-point shooter at Wake Forest at a low volume. You just couldn't have predicted that he would be this effective from three-point range, which is why we got to wait to see if he's going to be able to you know, play this way, shoot this way the rest of the way. It's safe to say that, that right now I'm thinking of him as a streaky three-point shooter. I keep thinking about that Oakland game. Um, he can change my mind for sure. It's a lot easier to be a three-point shooter as the third or fourth option at Wake Forest. In the ACC, the scouting reports are really deep. He did not get a lot of wide-open shots. When you're the fourth option, the defense is going to focus. And I, I don't care how many big-time games Shondi has. They're still going to focus on Franz and Livers first. Okay, The third option is going to be Hunter Dickinson. And, and so just think about all the wide open shots that he's going to get away from the ball. Um, you, you, you could also see that, that when you're playing with a guy like Hunter Dickinson, who's a willing passer out of the low post, you're, you're going to see a lot of those where Hunter catches the ball, like a quarterback in the pocket and throws to the weak side. I mean, he hits his shooters right on the mark. You're going to see that a lot this year. And that's a sign of a good team. Most people have two really good scores, okay? And then the question, and I, I do this all the time. I, I can almost always say that one of the teams that I broadcast in a game that I could say, who's their third score? That That's the question mark for whatever team. Well, Michigan not only has a third score, but they've got a fourth really good score too. And that's going to be really important once you get into Big Ten play. All right, so before we uh, get to our conversation with the former Wolverine basketball player affectionately known as the judge. Let's talk about you know Michigan's current floor general uh, and, and Mike Smith. I thought one of the issues against Oakland, Tim, was that he was in foul trouble. I think that that contributed to their high turnover rate. Uh, and I know that that was a real sore spot for you, and I'm sure Juwan, how loose they were with the, with the basketball. He does seem to be a calming presence. Uh, when he's on the floor, ruddering the ship, so to speak. 
what do you think of his his impact thus far? He he maybe hasn't shot it as well as he's capable of, but as I as I mentioned to you in a prior conversation about him, one of the things that I was really interested to see how quickly he was going to uh, uh, you know how quickly he was going to adapt to was being more of a of a deferential a pass first guy as opposed to a shoot first guy as a point guard and it feels like he's able to pick his spots there's some games where they do where we've seen him really be assertive with his offense and then other times where we see seeing him be more deferential if i was a teacher sam mike smith gets a b right now for me um he's been good but as a teacher i would sit him down and say Mike, I think you're capable of being an A student. I want more from you. Um, so let's start out this way. He's not Xavier Simpson, right? Few are. Uh, but Simpson was, think about this, an impactful defender, a strong leader. He was an expert at running the offense. He had respect around the Big Ten that was built up over years. He had every characteristic of a, of a, like a top-ranked point guard except consistent perimeter shooting. So it's out there. Mike Smith is not Xavier Simpson, but I, I really think he can be a pretty darn good, effective point guard. And these are a couple of things that, that I've noticed in the last couple of games. I don't think he's comfortable yet. He's got a, an NBA offense that he's got to run. Mm-hmm. Um, he's surrounded by elite talent. And, and he has a lot of, of roles to play. And the most important one is to run a complicated offense that he just learned. Um, I think he can be more aggressive in the screening game. Um, and and I don't think that Hunter Dickinson and Austin Davis have done a great job of setting great screens. I, I think that they're setting small screens, and I think that that, that will help him a lot. Um, I also think Mike Smith is very small. <laughs> it's going to be hard for him to work on that. But But this is not the Ivy League. He's going against big physical guards and massive rim protectors. And so I think that he is better in a fast game. Um, I, I thought he'd be a little bit better three-point shooter, but it's still early. Still early, yeah. And, yeah, and so take take a guess. The Big Ten, Michigan's going to play 20 games this year, hopefully. How many, how many Big Ten wins do you think Michigan will get? Uh, Make a prediction. In 20 Big Ten games, I'll give Michigan, I'll say 12, Tim, 12 games. I and that's a good that's a good call. So the reason I asked you that is because at Columbia in three years in the Ivy League, Mike Smith has eleven wins total. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so so this this has to be exciting for him as well. He's gonna win more Big Ten games this year than he won conference games in three years in the Ivy League. So it's super important for him to to tighten up his pick and roll game to be able to play in transition and then find spots where, you know, off of the fact that he's got really good players around him to spot up and be a reliable three point shooter. If he does that, he'll get more wins at Michigan this year than he did three years in the Ivy. Absolutely. Well, Tim, uh, it is always a great pleasure when we are able to catch up with one of your former teammates. And uh, this is uh, one of the most heralded guys in Michigan high school basketball history talking about the guy hails from detroit southwestern they called him the judge uh the profile that he came into michigan with uh at a, in an era where you guys had a lot of big time recruits he was among the biggest tell us about the former teammate of yours that we we're about to talk to antoine jobert well 
Judge was was a lot different as a teammate than people would have guessed because he was such a prolific high school scorer, over 2,000 career high school points, and he came in with a reputation as a gunner. But he was he was very cerebral, and and people may not realize this. After four years of college, he left Michigan as the all-time assist leader, and I don't think a lot of people would have ever guessed that because it, he was he was definitely an all-around player, better on the offensive end than the defensive end. But he um he he was a really good person and a good player, and I'm anxious to talk to him. All right, so what we'll do is we'll get to a break, and when we come back on the other side. We're going to be joined by the judge, Antoine Jobert, here on the Michigan Basketball Insider. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, <laughs> 9 over 8. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. And we are pleased to be joined on the Michigan Basketball Insider by one of the all-time greats, not just at the University of Michigan, but when you talk about the best players to ever come from this state as a high school basketball player, you cannot have that conversation without mentioning the man they call the judge, pride of Detroit Southwestern, Antoine Jobert. Judge, how you doing? I am very good. Thank you guys for having me. How are you guys doing? I'm doing good, doing Merry Christmas to you, my friend. And um, I, I, you know what, I have to, I have to ask you, I, I don't think I've ever actually called you Antoine, you know, as, as a friend. No, you haven't. <laughs> I don't, I, I mean, I've, I've always just known you as Judge. I want you to tell our listeners how you got the nickname. And, and also, I'm curious, does anybody call you Antoine or do they call you Judge? Uh, they, most people call me Judge. Uh, I got the nickname uh, from my mom's uncle. Uh, they used to call him Judge. That was his nickname, and I looked like him so off when I was little, and I act like him. Uh, my family, especially my brother, would call me Judge. Okay. And that's the good. media, yeah, the media heard it one day in the locker room, and that's where it started from. Yeah, because I had heard that you wanted to go to law school, and that's why they called you judge. So that's what I always thought. But no, uh, I did want to go to law school, but you know, as, as you grow, you 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 change. And I I changed once I got to college, and I wanted to be around athletics, and that's what changed my major. So so, judge, when when you um when you think back to your times playing basketball at Michigan uh, you were all Big Ten you were a Big Ten champ you're an NIT champ what are what are some of your favorite memories well it, it's my my favorite memory was that first championship 
1984, the NIT championship, man, that was just like unbelievable because, you know, the, 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 for me, as far as being a freshman to come into college and play with so many great players like Eric Turner, Tim McCormick, uh, Leslie Rockymore, and then to win uh, Richard Relford, Roy Tarpley, to win at Butch Wade, to win a championship my first year. It was just unbelievable for me as uh, a freshman in college. And the rest was history. It was like, I love going to Michigan. I love the academics and the athletics up in Michigan. I'm go blue forever. Hey, so Judge, I want to take you back to before, before the, uh, before your Michigan career started. Let's go back to your high school career at Detroit Southwestern, man, and talk about the great matchup in uh, in the state final against Flint Central. I'm a Flint Central alum, so I was told to ask you this question, man. So, so, <laughs> so, so, take me back to that game. Take me back to your memories of that of that all-time great performance that you put on that day? Well, I put on a great performance, but that Flint Central performance was a, a little bit better that day. <laughs> and I remember, man, they, those guys uh, had a great team, uh, great players, probably, probably the best high school team that I faced in my career and probably uh, one of the best high school teams ever. They had uh, five Division One players: Daryl Johnson, Mark Harris, Marty Embry, Marvin Wells, and uh, Eric Turner. So it, it it was just unbelievable, and I played them uh, three years in a row. <laughs> so <laughs> they, they kind of got my number, <laughs> and uh, those are my guys, man. And I, I love those guys, but man, they had a great team. I mean, they were for a high school team, man. They, they had no weakness, you know. Like most high schools, and I know, like even for Tim and myself, you know, you say, "Hey, double team Tim and double team Antoine," but you could you can say double team nobody on Flint Central. I mean, <laughs> their whole uh, like seven guys were just. I mean, they were tough, and the subs were tough. So it was like, wow. And, uh, you know, after my junior year, I mean, I was playing with freshman guards and stuff. So it was just, it was incredible. But it was a great experience, and we're still friends. I talked to DJ, you know, and I talked to Eric Turner. And uh, I haven't seen Mark, but, you know, uh, Marty Embry, Jeff Greer. Glenn Rice, so I mean, it's just great, man. When I go to Flint, yeah, you put up four, you put up forty seven in that game, though, right? Yeah, I put up forty seven on her. Yeah, forty seven points with one assist. But that's right, with one assist, I had, I didn't have you, Tim. If I had you, Tim, I might have had a chance, baby. Hey, <laughs> hey, look, had somebody throwing two D man. I've never scored forty seven points in, in, in on, on a on a pee wee hoop, but if I did, I'm not passing. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm scoring forty seven points. I'm right. shoot. That's right. I hey, I was feeling it that day, and you know Perry Watson, my coach, I love him. He was like. He was like, man, hey, we got to win, man. Hey, fill it up. 
And that's what I did. I came out to fill it up and try my best, you know, but those guys were just too much, too much for me that day. Both hey, guys. Hey, Judge, you know, you're you're on one of the greatest high school scores in Detroit history at over 2000 points. I've got a I've got a story I want to ask you about. You can give me a true or a false. All right. All so right. You were playing at St. Cecilia and you're coming down the court and you made a three falling out of bounds. And that was your 50th point in the game. And you kept going and went out into the hallway to get a drink instead of going back on defense. True or false? True. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I remember that. I was on fire that day. Boy, when you play up in say those are some good times. Yeah. You know, everybody's going to remind you of everything that happened when you when you played in St. Cecilia. So I was having a great day. I said, and you know how hot it gets in there. I said, I need a drink. So I went out and got me one and kept, came back and kept playing. That's the fun time that say Cecilia. Yeah, my, oh, yeah. Um, my my dad, my dad when I was young in high school, drove me down to St. Cecilia to play, and he said, if you ever want to be a player, you've got to learn how to survive in this environment. It's going to be tough and physical. It was. What? Who are some of the, the name guys that, that when you were young and growing up that you played against at St. Cecilia? Oh, man, I played against uh, Isaiah. Uh, I played Earl Kirton, John Long, Terry Durock, uh, Isaiah Thomas, uh, Mark McGuire, Lindsey Hunter, uh, Derek Coleman, Chris Weber, Jalen Rose, Greg Kelser. It's just shoot, so many. Everybody, you know, and I grew up playing with Urban Magic Johnson. Um, just blessed so many great players out of Michigan. Just, I mean, period, you know, going up to Flint and playing and going up to Lansing and playing. It's just, you know, basketball back then, uh, was just fantastic in the, in the state of Michigan. You know, it's, it's at one time, like in the nineties, we had over 25 players from Detroit in the NBA. Mm. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. Um, yeah, in the 90s. Yeah, that's how many guys that that made it. So, you know, Detroit is a mecca for basketball. I mean, and I, I try, and I know Tim does, and I try my hardest to uh, still give back to help, you know, Michigan and Detroit kids to get back to the level that we came uh, out uh, watching guys play and guys that I admired and, and, and things like that. You know, right now they have, they have the game, you know, like Imani Bates, you know, he went to prep school, but a lot of times I think kids should stay in high school, you know, mm -hmm. to bring high school basketball back to the way it should be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Judge, you're, um, you, you know, you're, you are giving back to, to, to young players. A lot of people don't know you're a college basketball coach. Can you, can you share with our listeners about your school and your team and your coaching career? Yes, I, uh, I've been at Oakland Community College for 13 years now, coaching, and I teach there. And I went back and got my master's and stuff. And, uh, you know, I just I coach AAU young kids from fourth and fifth grade 
all the way to 18 and I coached junior college and I, I just love it, man. You know, when one of the kids come back, you know, in four years and say, coach, thank you for helping me. It gives me, uh, more than any money could ever in my heart could ever pay me for seeing those kids graduate and become a successful young man. So, you know, that's what I do and that's what I love. And that's what God, uh, as, as a messenger for God, that's what I do. We're talking to the judge. But also known, I mean, if you look at his name in the program, it says Antoine Jobert. But as as Tim said, he called him the judge coming in and lead-in judge. He said, people don't know this, but he finished his Michigan career as the all-time leading assist man in Michigan basketball history. So to a big-time scorer like you, and I think this is an important message to sort of convey to the listeners and to also to to young to young players. How did you make that that transition into a guy who you, I get it, I'm shooting it. You know, 47 points, one assist. To go from being that guy to being a guy that did set up others, that did go on to leading the University of Michigan in assists by the time your career was done. How did that transition happen? Was that was that something that you did naturally? Was that coaching? How did that happen for you? Well, it happened because I'm a guy who hates to lose. <laughs> and I, I believe that I knew I could go to any college I wanted to, but I knew Tim was there. I knew Eric was there. I knew Rock was there. I knew Roy Tarpley was there. I had played uh, two years of AAU against Butch and Rich. So I, I said, man, if I go here, we could win together. You know, I, I think I was, they needed one more piece and I was the missing piece. And, when you play with so many great players, you have to fit in to make the uh, teamwork. And all I cared about was winning. I didn't care about scoring, and I never did. I mean, if I had to do it to win, I would. But if I could play and uh, get a sense, I would. And I had great players like Tim McCormick, Roy Tarbley, shooters like Leslie Rockymore. Uh, we had a great team, so I just played to win and blend in, and we did it. <laughs> you we um, did it. you were a cerebral player. You 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 um you saw the court so well, and you know when when we were saying you scored forty seven points in that game and you had one assist, that's actually not true because you had zero assists. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean, think I had. Yeah, you, 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 you have to get the ball out of bounds under the basket, you might get assists. Yeah, so, so what, what are your thoughts on, on the Michigan basketball team um, under Juwan Howard? Talk a little bit about your relationship. It must be interesting now because, you know, you talk as coaches rather than, you know, former ball players. Yeah, and Juwan's like a little brother to me. So it's really good and really great, man, just to, to see him uh, take the guys. I know he's going to do a great job, and we have a good team. He has a great coaching staff. He got Saudi. He has uh, Howard Isaac. He has guys right around him that he needs to be successful. And he's coached and played in the NBA 19, 20 years. And he was a great player himself. He's going to do fine. And anything I can do or you, I know we're going to do. And I, I, I like livers. I think livers can be a leader. 
he has to step his game up and be a little more assertive, uh, a little more leadership to the guys, because I think some of the guys are new transfers coming in and stuff. But I think we got a really good team and a big team. And, is nice. You got Iowa, Michigan State, uh, Maryland. You got some good teams in there, Penn State. So it's going to be a good fight for the Big Ten title. Judge, uh, uh, we, um, hey, hey, I, I got to throw one in real quick, Tim, and I want you to close things out. But I got to tell, uh, you know, pass along a message. I don't know if you know this, Judge, but your man Richard Relford wrote a check in your name. And he said, me, Judge, Think he put Tim McCormick on that team. Uh, he grabbed he grabbed a couple more players and he said, "Look, you take us. We beating the '89 championship team. We beating the Fab Five. We beating all comers in Michigan basketball history." Tim, I can't remember who else he put on that squad, but he said he had that e. conversation. E. Who, who yeah, Et and Roy Tarpley. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm asking you now, Judge, here and now, if that happened, if that were to happen. Do you think you guys are taking down the 89 championship team? You think you guys are taking down the Fab Five? Hey, hey, he threw great Gary Grant on that team, too. Yeah, we would have beat them easy. <laughs> <laughs> they were they they were uh uh too little for us. You know, we would have had Tim and Tart, both seven footers, both uh, you know, uh first first top. 10 players, 11 players. I mean, we had Gary and I, we were big. They couldn't guard us. You know, Ramil and, and Mike Griffin, they couldn't beat us. And, and we were so good when Glenn was on the team, he couldn't even start. <laughs> so, a lot. you know, <laughs> yeah. And you know how good Glenn is, right? <laughs> so, I think we would have beat him, you know, and I'm not. I'm not trying to uh, downgrade them by any means because they were very, very good. But uh, just my honest opinion, I don't think they could have beat us at all. We had too much firepower. Yeah. Well, Antoine Gilbert, it's, it's been great to talk to you. And a lot of people, I want to, before we close, I want to throw this out there that, you know, a lot of people, you know, they, they don't realize that you had a 15-year career. As a pro, you played in Belgium and Poland and Mexico and the Philippines. Every summer when I saw you, I was you were like a world traveler. And, and man, I, yes, I was. I played two years here and traveled, two years there and traveled. Yeah, and I had a man a great career. Met so many wonderful people, and still have friends all around the world, man. Yeah, well, you're the judge and one of the greats in Michigan basketball history. It's always a thrill for me to talk to you, my friend. All right, my brother T-Mac, man. Thank you guys for having me, man. And God bless you guys and, and keep doing it. All right, Judge. Thanks a lot for your time, man. Appreciate you. All right, you're welcome. Well, Tim, you can obviously tell, very, very cerebral guy, and I think you get a better appreciation from that listening, but you got an appreciation for, of that from playing with him and knowing him all these years. Yeah, he, he's a great teammate. He understands the game. Um, he was surrounded by amazing talent in high school. Leslie Rocky Moore, um, our teammate, and Howard Isley and Jalen Rose. And, you know, Perry Watson was, was, was a great coach. And you see that happen a lot of times where a great coach will, will breed other great basketball minds. And, and now to see um, 
Antoine have a chance to to give back as a coach at Oakland Community College. It doesn't surprise me. At the Michigan League 25, um, he's he's come by a lot of times and and worked with our kids. And it's just it really it's really fun to watch somebody just loves the game and wants to share with young people. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. All right, Tim. So and now we transition into talking about the game that was set for Wednesday. Came out, news dropped Monday afternoon, though, that this game is postponed due to COVID reasons for North Carolina State. And I don't know about you, but I'm just, you know, I'm a stickler for erring on the side of caution. And that re- that's really what it sounds like they're doing here. Smart. And and I, I don't want to do anything to take away from the start of the Big Ten season, which is next Sunday. And, and this is a common problem throughout college basketball. Sam, this last weekend, there were 44 college basketball games that were canceled or postponed. And, and I, I don't trust airplanes right now. I think why risk it? Um, when, when you think of the strength of schedule, even though NC State would easily be Michigan's best non-conference opponent, the Big Ten is so loaded and you're going to get 20 games against high-quality teams. I just I, I think that, that it, it's, a, it's a good move. Um, and I don't know if NC State, I hope Kevin Keats and his guys are, are healthy. Um, it sounds like somebody in their traveling party was sick, but why risk any any illness for Michigan right now? I, I think it's I think it's I think it's fine. Yeah, sound thinking, and like I said, you know, erring on the side of caution. I really was looking forward to seeing Devin Daniels, a Michigan kid, a Michigan Mustang kid, and he's putting up numbers for for North Carolina State. Probably was really looking forward to playing Michigan. Uh, but you know, it it it's much better. It's much better to be safe. Uh, and that yes. is that is the the way that the decisions, especially in the Big Ten Conference, and I don't want to just single out the Big Ten Conference. This is the way that they seem to be going about things in college basketball. When, as you said, you look at all the games that have been postponed or canceled to this point. So, keep in keeping with that, this was the right decision. It gives Michigan some more time to prepare for the start of a uh, Big Ten Conference play. Yeah, and it's probably too late, but I wonder if you could get a safe school, Eastern Michigan, Western Michigan, Central Michigan, U of D, you know, somebody that maybe has lost a non-conference game to COVID um, from an opponent. And and I and I, I think it, it's important from the standpoint that anytime you play an in-state game, that's a positive to me, but also you've got newcomers that, that can just use reps. You know, Mike, Mike Smith going up against Eastern Michigan or Central Michigan, he, he would get more opportunities to play in the pick and roll with his big guys. And 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 Terrence Williams and Hunter Dickinson are, are getting better in a hurry, but another contest would be really good. So, you know, I, I it may be too late at this point. It's not like, you know, when we were growing up and I'm going to call Sam, I'll meet you at the park, we'll play ball. I know a lot goes into it, but, um, you know, I think it'd be awesome if they could get another game somehow. And then after that, Tim, you know, we the moment that we all have been waiting for, so to speak, uh, next up will be Big Ten Conference play. And just a word, because by the time we come back on next week, Michigan will have played their first Big Ten Conference game versus Penn State. Uh, since we last spoke, you know, all Michigan State did was go out and beat Duke. Then they had a nail-biter with, with U of D. Just your, your thoughts again this week on how the Big Ten is shaping up as Michigan prepares and all the Big Ten prepares for conference play coming up this weekend? Well, you can't argue with the fact that that Iowa and Wisconsin are outstanding. Um, 
I I've watched Michigan State closely, and and I think that they've got a chance to win the Big Ten this year. I I really like what I've seen. Hauser playing. Yeah, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, they're going to be really good. Hauser gives them that that perimeter ability to stretch from the center position. Um, Rocket Watts can be an all Big Ten guard. I still think Josh Langford is not 100%. He mm-hmm. does not look the same as he did before the injury, but this is a team with depth and length and, you know, Marble's a stud inside. You know, he's he's going to win some games for them. So, wow, the, the Big Ten is going to be great, Sam, and I cannot wait. And if I could just flip a switch, if I could grab my magic wand and make this virus go away, this would – be the, possibly the greatest year ever in terms of Big Ten competitiveness. All right. Well, Tim, a lot to see, a lot to look forward to. We'll be here to talk about it all with you on the Michigan Basketball Insider. New CBS Monday. Federal agents. Here's where we can see them. NCIS Hawaii is back. The city new criminals to catch. On robbery, aggravated assault, murder. And new investigations to be solved. These guys were good, but even masters make mistakes. Vanessa Lachey and featuring LL Cool J. Violent Island, you got here. Welcome to paradise. A new NCIS Hawaii, Monday, 10, 9 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.